We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome in to another episode of Buzz Beat. Uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday, I suppose, is a uh, in order for those who celebrate, or for those uh, like myself who are going through uh, the Memphis Charlotte film from uh, Saturday night to see how some of the new pieces were being used for the Hornets. Uh, but I'm Brian Geisinger. I'll be joined on today's pod by my guy Spencer Percy. Richie is here producing in the background, and we are here to, among other things, break down the 2024 NBA trade deadline, which was uh, one of the most active trade periods we've seen and possibly ever for uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. But uh, Spencer, how are you doing uh, on this cold, rainy Sunday here in the uh, state of North Carolina? I'm, I'm great, BG. Thank you. Um, great to be here. Look, happy Super Bowl Sunday. You know, I'm thrilled mostly, you know, because the Hornets won last night and have a brand new roster and all that's really fun. And it seems like they, you know, handled the trade deadline the way they should have. We'll get into all that. But you know what makes me happiest? They brought back one, a legend last night, a legend that the past ownership group had a chance to bring back and they didn't do it. But we know him as Crash. You might know him as Gerald Wallace. But to see him back in the building last night, Seems to be doing great. Very grateful to to have the opportunity to come back to the Queen City and be celebrated by the fans. You know, Gabe and Rick, round of applause. Like bringing Crash back and celebrate. Like, yeah, let's let's lean into our past a little bit. I that made me as happy as anything that I've seen that's related to Bobcats, Hornets, Charlotte, whatever basketball in a long time. PG. I have some really fond memories of watching Gerald Wallace play for the Charlotte Bobcats in in college. Mostly. Um, so that that really warmed my heart. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just wanted to, to just round of applause for Jared Wallace. Jared Wallace was an awesome basketball player. And yeah, really, since NBA basketball returned to Charlotte, one of the premier players the state has seen, the region has seen, and a guy that clearly meant a lot to a lot of different people in the fan base. And um, I think it's okay to sort of like lean into – the sort of like Bobcats 1.0, 2.0, 
you know, rosters and former players. Even I mean, they even weren't as, like that incompetent. There were some really good teams. They yeah. they went to the they went to what the playoffs twice. I mean, twice. That's, yep. that's more than the Hornets have since they rebranded everything. So in in like in probably about the same amount of time, give or take a year or two here or there. So like it's uh they were a laughing they they were certainly like a laughing sock in certain re- in certain ways but like i think that's okay if you can like not take yourself too too seriously and you're also the arrow is sort of like pointing uh upward which after a you know a tough half season here tough season and a half does seem to be like the the hornets are taking sort of like baby steps conservative baby steps in the right direction as far as like the roster and asset management goes but just focusing on on crash again very very cool to see him uh see him play and i even the feed of the broadcast that i was watching i actually got the the memphis uh broadcast not charlotte's and uh he was you know he was they made note of him during the broadcast too like the grizzlies had a little uh the grizzlies broadcast had a little you know gerald wallace segment as well it's pretty cool and again sort of small market team in a similar region, uh, showing a little love to a guy who uh, who really meant a lot to people in this fan base who have stuck around from the Gerald Wallace days. Like, yeah. they deserve some nostalgia, like serotonin hits every now and then. And it seems like last night may have been just that. Yeah, I I, I just I really appreciate it. Um, you know, in a, in a in a way that makes me feel like a loser, but and also in a way that that matters. <laughs> like for what you just you know what you just said, guys fans that have been around for a while. If you're a, a younger listener, I would encourage you to, it sounds stupid, but go look up some Gerald Wallace, Steven Jackson, Raymond Felton, Bobcats highlights. Those were some teams that could play a little bit. So anyways, all right, I digress, but I, I really appreciated that last night. BG, trade deadline. Where do you want to start here? There's a lot to discuss. Well, we should also note that Richie, our, our co-host, he put out another episode of BuzzBeat uh, that hit BuzzBeat Plus subscribers accounts uh, earlier today, today being February 11th. That was done with Alex Spears. Um, I have not had the chance to listen to that yet, but I will get to that um, at some point, either later today or tomorrow, that I'm sure went into more of the Gordon Hayward transaction. We've discussed the Terry Rozier one. So I think for us, where where it would be good to start would be on the P.J. Washington trade with the Dallas Mavericks. And then we can sort of think about the next, like sort of like a future outlook for the franchise here and even touch on probably some of these other transactions and sort of where we could see things going from here because this was the last month and really this week especially, uh, they, they did more de- they did more transactions than I thought they were going to do. Um, I'll, I'll be, uh, that's that's honest. I mean, I've thought maybe one, maybe two, to see three separate trades and two incoming first round picks in total, plus some, some you know, some fringe rotation players is, uh, is interesting. So yeah, we'll just say we can go ahead and get into Dallas, but before we sort of talk about the PJ transaction, as a, as a move, I would just like to say like a quick salute to PJ Washington and his near five years of service for the franchise. He was an important rookie player, sort of like one of the few glimmers of hope in like the immediate like post Kemba timeline. And it didn't turn into much other than I suppose some like in terms of a team wide thing, it didn't turn into much aside from two exciting seasons at the start of LaMelo's career. 
but PJ was asked to play a bunch of different roles all over the court, offensive responsibility. And I thought he turned into himself into a really nice player. He earned a good second contract. And now he gets to go back to to what his hometown team and play next to Luka Doncic and uh, you know, hopefully make a, a a playoff run with the Mavs. So would just like to say salute to him. I think if you listen to the show, my co-hosts probably know this. Like I was a big PJ fan. Like I I believed in him. Um, and part of that stance was I think he has the he has the ability to be like an impact guy and be on the court in playoff moments. And we'll see. Like this is it does seem like that that belief will be put to the test um in the next coming months with uh with Dallas. But uh just wanted to get that in before uh we sort of like talk about the the mechanics of the deal. But yeah, Spencer, any any thoughts on PJ, his career, and uh and then we can even segue just into talking about the move. Well, no, I mean, I echo exactly what you said, BJ. I was looking this morning, like, I, it's so crazy. I was like, wait, we drafted this guy in 2019? Like, that's so wild. Like, you know. It, a long it just, time ago, it, man. <laughs> it still felt like it was like two years ago, right? And it was 2019, so that was weird. But look, he he developed in Charlotte. You know, I think James Borrego did a great job with P.J. Washington. I think Steve Clifford did you know, used him obviously in a way in, in a much different way, but did did a nice job as well. You know, the one thing that kind of bums me out about PJ's time in Charlotte is that he was overtaxed so much as a small ball five uh, under Brago for such a long time, and you know, obviously that spit out a lot of good offensive <clears throat> numbers for the Hornets during that time. I'm not sure that it. I'm not sure it benefited PJ Washington's NBA development holistically. Um, maybe as as much as you would think uh, in the moment, but look, he's a good player. He's going to be really important for the Mavs. He had a great debut last night. You know, they blew the Thunder out, and he was really good in that game. Um, so I wish him nothing but the best. And it's always good to see a guy that you drafted turn into something that is really a value. And the proof in the pudding is what the Hornets got back for him. I mean, that's what the NBA really thought of PJ Washington, and and rightfully so because. He's a guy that can guard up. He can guard down. He can play multiple positions on offense. I mean, this is a versatile player who's, like you said, going to have some really good offense or really good playoff moments. I think his ability to work screen, screen and roll, screen pop with Luca, double drag stuff with Luca and Derek Lively or Kyrie, Derek Lively. And then we've seen PJ's ability to be a, a playmaker, a passer on the short roll. And just think about how many times Luca forces teams to put two on the ball. You know, to to hedge, to show, to trap, to blitz him. Uh, PJ has the build has the chance to be a, a release valve for for Dallas, and he's shown the ability to do that while not while not having well not exclusively playing like small ball five. Like he's done that when he, when he's been in at the four, and there's another center in the dunker spot, and that could be that could really help if he's playing a lot with Derek Lively and now Daniel Gafford, who's also with the Mavericks as well. So. um I think that is something that uh, could, I think he could really be a nice piece uh, for Dallas going forward. And it should be noted, like when they signed that new contract or PG to that contract uh, last summer, I believe Richie and I did a reaction pod after that. And I, I don't want to speak for Richie, but I know I'm pretty sure both of us were sort of like, yes, absolutely. This is a good deal for the Hornets in part because like he, he has trade value. Um, and, uh, the deadline proved it. 
you know, uh, that absolutely that guy was able to get a, you know, pretty nice return um, for the Hornets. That deal in totality was Dallas got a 2024 second, a 2028 second in PJ from the Hornets in return for Grant Williams, an offseason signing gone wrong for the Mavs. Seth Curry, you know, homecoming uh, to Charlotte in a 2027 first round pick that I believe is only top two protected. Top so two protected. Yep. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good piece to have um, at at your disposal. Plus, you get a guy. Um, I think one of the things that sort of struck me broadly from this the trade deadline with the Hornets was was some of the contracts they picked up, um, like Curry. Um, Mitich from Oklahoma City. We'll see what Davis Bertans does with his ETO as well. My guess is he will probably not exercise that. I'd be curious to know. I mean, 16- I'd be surprised. I'd yeah, be surprised. I think I think he would take that. But I say all of that to say that the Hornets probably have some salaries that they could package, and they've got a guy in Grant who they can use to like like they might be able to rehab Grant Williams' value. He absolutely, like, I think right now you could say Grant, maybe he doesn't have positive trade value. Maybe he does with certain teams. But you call have him come in, play next to LaMelo, Brandon Miller. He hits some shots. You know, he's a, he shows his defensive versatility. He's got several years left on that contract. He's still pretty young. Like, you might be able to get something for Grant uh, down the line. Too. So I think the Hornets did, the front office did a nice job, not just getting back two first-round picks in, the, in all of these deals, but getting back some salaries and even a player in Grant that I think has some uh, that could be used either to facilitate a trade or to build a trade around going forward. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, or or you know what? Or he's a part of the core or he fits Yeah, in. that too. Yeah, so, that, you know what I mean? Like That's great too. He's still I mean, young. He's under a very fair contract. Like he's not a direct facsimile to PJ Washington, but it's very but, similar. It's very it's similar. Very similar skill set, yeah. you know, very yeah. similar kind of role. So, you know, I I like this move for Charlotte. BG were touching on the contracts that they brought in, which I think is 
probably one of the most important points to look. There's two really important points to look at when considering how the Hornets handled this trade deadline. What you just mentioned is number one, the contract. So if you look at it from this perspective, Grant Williams, Misich, Cody Martin, Nick Richards, obviously they didn't bring those guys in. I'm just doing some math here. Uh, Richards, Seth Curry, and Davis Bertans. Those five players almost come up to $40 million in salary. Max so, <laughs> so, yeah. well, you know, I mean, whatever. Yeah. But the point, your, your point is well taken in, in, in terms of like the Hornets have salaries to put into deals if the right thing comes to their doorstep. And that could be as early as this summer, you know, before, yeah. the, before the draft. It, it, it could be the next trade deadline, but that's point number one. You know, I think point number two is, the Hornets handled this trade deadline is almost a pre pre agency, pre free agency, if you will. So, you know, I I do expect that Mesich, Bertans, Grant Williams, these guys are going to be part Trey Mann, obviously, are going to be part of the rotation going into next season. That's that's four players, and the Hornets only have one roster spot available right now. So they really looked at what was out there this summer, number one, and number two, like who's actually going to want to come here uh, if we're operating as a team above the cap, which they're going to now. And like, who are we going to throw our full mid-level exception at that would actually like to play here? So they built, I think in a lot of ways, their rotation going into next season at this trade deadline, which is, Boy, oh boy, is that it's not like galaxy brain creativity, mm-hmm. but it's not something we're used to, right? Yeah. <laughs> in no. Charlotte, uh, under the under the ownership we've been used to, under the management we've been used to, it, you just like to see thinking outside the box a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, it. the, the last three weeks, um, you know, certainly very much enjoyed watching and covering Terra's year, PJ Washington, Gordon Hayward, you absolutely want to thank those guys for their their service with the franchise, all that sort of stuff. But like those guys being like tools the franchise used to sort of like reconfigure itself and and just do sort of like very obvious team building. Nothing like you said, they they weren't splitting the atom on any of this stuff, man. Um, but it's really the only way to go about doing your business when you're a small market team and the writing is on the wall as it has been for years now, really, um, that they needed to reset. Um, you know, I think, I think the rest of this season becomes very interesting for Charlotte because one, just from a standpoint of watching only one game so far. And I look, I know Memphis is uh, a mash unit. They're, they're not one. They're not very good at this point. Jaron Jackson Jr. is really, they're only like starters still healthy and, and available for them. But just to just watching that game alone, seeing the additions in terms of like on ball creativity, on ball handling, the usage, it's it is kind of amazing how little Charlotte was getting out of. And I know injuries played a role in this stuff too. And I love Ish Smith, but just like Ish Smith, James Booknight, Frank Nealakina. Like the yeah. reserve guards, I mean, there was just no shot creation. It's, it, it's like they were using the theory, this yeah. as a screener. You know what I mean? It, it, like, yeah, it's like the theory of relativity, but in basketball terms, it's like, oh my gosh! Like you just watch Mishich like be able to keep his dribble, go around and pick and roll, get downhill, and make a very simple like cross court to the corner pass. Like, and he's really, really good. I'm not trying to walk yeah, it down yeah, his yeah, skill yeah. set, but like, it's like. Oh my gosh! Like we, yeah, he, we really had no doubt on this roster. He, he's a 
and and then, like we have also been saying for years now, like we wanted to see Charlotte take the backup point guard role seriously. And now I think you've got a couple of guys in Misich and Mayan that you can go into next season feeling I don't know if like confident is the right word, but like feeling like pretty excited or feeling yeah, like right. Good about, like, yeah. You're going LaMelo, you got Trey man, you got me. Like all of a sudden you got multiple guards. That, yeah. They, they can play. And you know, not to mention we still got McGowan's. We still, we still got Nick Smith jr. Like all of a sudden the backcourt's like, it's young and there's some gold deep. And there's, there's some <laughs> upside there. I really liked man a lot in the 2021 draft. In fact, one of the, one of the last pods I did with Lee, our, our other co-host now with Buzz B, when he was still doing the Wish Carolina podcast, was he and I did a pod on Trey Mann, actually, like in the summer, like pre-draft summer of 2021. Like I liked his creation upside a lot as a prospect coming out of Florida. He just hasn't had the opportunity to show it. OKC just had so many good guards in front of him. It felt like not identical, but sort of similar to like what happened to Kyra Lewis in New Orleans where like, Another guy who comes in and and you're sort of like big things are expected, then all of a sudden just like this wave of other flood, talent, flood of yeah, yeah. exactly one yeah. trade and yeah. you know some you know like bringing in like one veteran in a trade and then a couple of draft yeah. cycles and all of a sudden it, it like and even last night I mean I don't think man had like an amazing game against Memphis but just seeing his wiggle with the basketball in the in the third quarter he ran like empty side pick and roll with with Nick Richards. And he did the classic Trey man. Like he started driving right, stopped on a dime, went behind his back to his left hand, got downhill, and then like in traffic hit Richards for a, a, a like a dive and a, and a finish at the rim. And I just, I'm sorry, like Charlotte didn't have that. It didn't team have that high on the non- team high non assists in his first game. It, they just didn't have that on the roster as recently as like two days ago or three days ago or whatever. So. Pretty, pretty, pretty exciting there. Like I'm, you know, we'll see. Like, and if and if man just ends up being just sort of like a a, a flashy like you know, uh, backup or whatever, like that's fine too. But like it was at least like an upside bet that I that I kind of liked uh, from the front office to grab, and it's good for Trey Man because like it wasn't going to happen in Oklahoma City, so like he may no. as well try to start fresh somewhere else. Um, and to and to build upon that, like. The Hornet, it, it was such a low risk. Like, I really didn't think they were going to get anything for Hayward. Trey Mann is obviously yeah. the one piece that comes back. I mean, it's, you know, a few other contracts, and then it's two seconds that probably aren't going to matter that much. But Trey Mann, so he's still on his rookie contract. Um, as long as he doesn't, like, get a lot worse, I would say it's a pretty good bet that the Hornets, who now own his bird rights, will resign him at a value contract. Yeah. yeah. So what does yeah. that mean? It means there's another contract to throw into, you know, a, a, some kind of future trade. And if you look down, you know, I mean, you just look at their payroll. I mean, Lamelo's the only guy under contract until 29. There's literally no other player on this roster under contract past 2027. You know, past the season of 2027. So it, it it's. It's just another. It's another asset to throw into a future deal if things start breaking. Not even the right way, just like the way they should, right? Just like if if you if you simulated this thing a hundred times, the way that it would simulate eighty five. So uh, you know th- th- that was a very smart move, I thought, for the Hornets. And again, I, I just I really didn't think they were going to get anything for Hayward's contract. I will say, BG, I find it like 
whatever. I mean, this is the way that like national media works, but like everyone drooling all over themselves about how good this was for the Thunder. After they've been after they've been like probably like you know talking down on Hayward and the Hornets for a while is that sort just, of like what just you're getting really at? makes you like scratch your head like I'm I, and I think it was fine for the Thunder but like I yeah. think this was way better for Charlotte yeah considering yeah. like who was going to trade anything for a thirty million dollar contract I I don't know yeah Anyways, just yeah a, just in a for in for Charlotte to get any sort of and I know they're it's pretty like middling like second round I don't think either pick profiles as like a super high second round pick like Houston's. Like previous in previous years, a Houston second round pick might be kind of appealing. That that sort of is a little bit less so now that they're they're better and they're they're going for the playoffs and blah blah blah. But yeah, for Charlotte to be able to pry any future picks out of Sam Presti's hands uh, for a thirty million dollar expiring contract guy that like I'm not sure if he would have even played again and sh- like if he hadn't been traded, like who knows if that guy even gets back on the court. You know what I mean? The rest of the season. I mean, what's the point here? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, also, so, he was, yeah. He, seemingly, he was healthy. Like, right. that was the thing. It was like, I mean, they've been so, like, closed-doored with, like, you know, injury information. Look, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I, I, you know, I bet my time. I know I've told you guys this, but I bet my time he's not in Charlotte anymore. Word on the street was that was really difficult situation for the Hornets to deal with. From the medical staff to the front office, to, you know, I, I I'm not gonna reveal everything, but that the Hayward Charlotte thing was very very frustrating from the Hornets' point of view. That is a fact, and so we'll just leave it there. Yeah, and again, I mean, it's it the, the pieces add up now. If it's sort of saying like, oh no, he hasn't been, he hasn't played in weeks, months, whatever. But yeah, he's ready to contribute to a postseason. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's uh, like oh, he's ready to play. It's like so, I, I something like how, how did the Hornets not do great in this? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so so oh, I don't know. Yeah. I I think it's like I think I think if you look in a vacuum, what is nice is that if you look in a vacuum at each separate trade, all of them like look pretty good. And then if you pan out, because when when Div was on with us a few weeks ago. One of the things we talked about was just like a lack of cohesion and vision with the franchise, where it was like if you panned out, you took a 20,000 foot view and you looked at every transaction the Hornets have made the last five years or even, the, you know, hell, even the last two years or whatever. It, there's so it, there was so little consistency. It was sort of like hard to find. It felt like the front office and coaching staff were on different, totally different wavelengths. You know what There's I mean? There's just no way to tell what the plan actually is. And all of these deals make sense, right? They're all right. logical. You got, uh, you got picks back, you got some, you know, you know, young player upside bets. And then you got some guys that could either stay around with you for a little bit or, you know, some salaries to, to involve in a, to be a player at the 2025 deadline. I do think that that's, I, not to jump off, topic here or whatever I, I know we're sort of just rambling all over so it's fine but like i do think it's i think it is matter i think it is a big deal for charlotte to um i think this is the approach they will take for whatever it's worth that like that tw- that pick that they owed now to san antonio it's lottery mm-hmm. protected for each of the next two seasons i think it's very important that they hang on to that or or, or sort of like do what they try their best to sort of hang on to it. I think I do think that's a good idea because if not, then one of the picks that you got back at the deadline this year sort of you know ends up wipe it. You know, you lose you essentially lose in in terms of just like what the the franchise has. You know, you end up losing one of those. 
Um, so I think it would, I think I sort of like the idea of like if they're gonna make if they're gonna like do stuff to like um, that I think maybe if they're gonna do stuff to sort of like improve the future odds as opposed yeah. to just like improving the roster for next season. I would like for them to sort of like hold off until the deadline next year to to produce one of those types of trades. But they have a lot of flexibility now here, which is which is nice and sort of speaks to having a series of options. I just think it would be important to keep an eye on that 2025 pick. And then like after once that's done and that gets and you know gets converted to two seconds to San Antonio, most likely, then then I think even more sort of like uh, options open up with the franchise too. I think I think there's like other directions you can take it in and you know you see where Brandon Miller is in a couple of years and and that type of stuff or who who you get in the 2024 draft like all of that stuff will factor in. Yeah, I mean extremely well said. I mean you nailed it. Like it's it's a true holding pattern uh kind of mode right now for the Hornets and you want Brandon Miller to keep coming along and Lamelo's under contract until the end of the 2029 season so like and the rest of the roster is just like complete guess so yes um yeah you laid that out perfectly um so do you want to talk about the dallas trade the pj washington trade yeah yeah let's do it yeah let's do it all right so so what do you so what i found interesting and again back to like the national media thing yeah there was some some thought out there that Dallas like nailed the trade deadline. And I think they did fine. I mean, Gafford's a good player. I think he definitely makes them better at the backup five immediately. Obviously, we talked about PJ Washington earlier. He's going to help them, but I, I, you, you cannot talk me into Dallas winning the trade with Charlotte with PJ Washington. Like, I, I just, there's no way. Top two protected pick the same year that Luca has a player option, and if things don't go right from between now and then, like all bets are off with the, that. They're, they're they're pretty leveraged in terms of picks that they have uh, that they've given up too. And by the way, Richie's saying in the chat here, it looks like uh, I guess Draymond Green on his podcast uh, shared a same similar point of view. I should say uh, Kevin Kevin Pelton of ESPN, I, I think also. Did not love the trade deadline for the. Uh, the I mean, match. if Draymond Green agrees with me, like I did, I'm going to sleep well tonight. That makes me feel better. <laughs> but yeah, but no, no, no. I thought, I thought it was to get that time to get that pick. You made a good note on sort of like the timeline with Luca. It just there's a chance that like you know who knows maybe in the next couple of years Dallas sort of like figures out and to me they feel like they're in kind of a holding pattern until they can get another star that is sort of like able to if not be is not if not sort of like on the same like age timeline as like Luca is just like a little bit more dependable than Kyrie and so because of until that happens yeah like you could see it it just the foundation in Dallas doesn't seem like super solidified and because of that like yeah you could be looking at at a a much different roster uh, one that could be needing to rebuild at some point in the next couple of years too, and doesn't have a lot of, you know, does not have a lot of picks uh, currently at its disposal. So yeah, I thought it was good return for for PJ and to to yeah top yeah only top two protected is a uh, is a nice nice bit of business from for the Hornets there. It, it's not a guarantee, but the way we think about these transactions and where people are sort of like. I think there's like a lot of focus sort of on picks and the the opportunities that draft picks provide for going forward. 
I do think it you have to you have to really do like a bad job to be the team selling, I think, for people to be like, no, from a value standpoint, this is bad. You know, this is bad for you. You can do it. Like you absolutely right, can do right. it. And I mean, I think even the Detroit Pistons of the last couple of years, like you could probably cherry pick a few examples out of that. But like it just it's sort of you again, and you're you're losing the best player in the transaction, but because of what you're getting in return and because of how we like grade these things, generally speaking, like you do have the you do have a, the better odds of sort of like looking like the winner. I think, at least in terms of how we te- sort of tend to grade these things. Yeah, and it, yes, I look, I I totally hear what you're saying right now, and I I always the whole ger- like trade grade uh, phenomenon like always really annoys me because a- again, relative, like one team's perspective is totally different than another team's. So to grade something in a vacuum just really doesn't make any sense at all. And so, I I mean, but I think Charlotte is the clear winner here because of where they are and because, you know, and and what I was getting ready to say a second ago is, you know, I thought Zach Lowe really laid it out very well. Since the Jalen Bronson disaster, like Dallas has just been chasing their tail. They've just been like making these trades to make up for past sins and we're not going to walk through them all right now, but like they just, they can't get everything aligned at the same time. It's like make one bad decision make a decision, you know, to to bring in a good player like PJ Washington, but because you made a past decision that didn't work out. Grant Williams in that case, right? So it, it's it's just a constant churn of like, what are we doing here? Which is why I just really love that 2027 top two protected pick because you just cannot, you can't talk me in. You can't talk me into that Luca is not late at night in his room. He might not say it to anybody, but is like, what, what am I doing here? What are we doing? When are we going to get this right? Like, you know, I, you just can't talk me into that's not going through his mind. And look, 2027 is three years from now. So <laughs> a lot a, can yeah. happen between now. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, and I think it's worth mentioning too. like, uh, look, I, I hope Luca has a plays his entire career in Dallas. Right. I mean, I think like, that would be that would be great. But I hope he doesn't. I hope he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get, I get that too. Um, but uh, oh shoot, I had a point here I was gonna make, and now I'm I'm blanking on it. I just I, one other thing I did want to say was it's important to note too that like when you have a when you've committed to the backcourt of Luca and Kyrie, you have to you have to like nail your other team building. Pop. Like you have to, you really have to figure out your like wing defense. You have to figure out your shooting. Um, I mean, I think Lively is obviously like a great piece for them at center, but you have to think about how you want to guard the ball. Like in a way, like Rozier and Lamelo, like the way Charlotte had to think about team building or should have been thinking about team building around those guys. Like you just, it's going to be hard for you to guard the ball. It's going to be hard for you to to stay in front of things. You're going to have to find point of attack defense in the forward room. Um, that guy's gonna have to be able to shoot, not not like need the ball. Like, there's all those sorts of things you have to consider. Um, and man, yeah, it just does feel like Dallas is sort of just uh, uh, just chasing here. Um, and you could see them; they could look up one day. And oh, the point I was gonna make was think about every time like LeBron left the team, um, or Dur- I guess you could say this with Durant. Anytime it's like a a top 10 guy. I think LeBron is like a good facsimile for Luca because 
when you have a guy like that, so much of your team build is sort of like, how do we get the right pieces around this guy that like, once they leave and assuming they leave for nothing, cause you're probably not trading them for like a haul beforehand. Cause you just got to like try to cling to something until it's, you know, absolutely over. It just, it takes you longer to reset, I guess is what I'm saying. Like there's fewer things there that are ready to be in place because everything's just been tailored to amplifying and putting the best roster around this one player. And then when they leave potentially for nothing, then it's it's very difficult to sort of like it takes time to reorganize basically. And I can well, see it, a certain thing happening with Luke uh, Dallas it, if he, it, if he it, were to leave. Yeah, it takes a certain ownership group to have a superstar like that in this league and to leave fruit on the tree, right? Like it, it, to to make a terrible analogy. I mean, it really, it's like an apple tree, and it's 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 ready to harvest when the superstar is great. But by the time that superstar and you haven't reached your expectations on, you know, halfway through their, their super max contract or even a little bit before that, like that, there's nothing going to be left on the apple tree. <laughs> and it feels like Dallas is, is, is getting dangerously close to that line. So, um, but whatever, I, I don't care. I hope they cross that line <laughs> in 2027. Yep. Or what I was going to pitch to you, BG is, of these three new players that Charlotte just brought in, uh, well, five, I guess, technically, but some of them are just contracts. What, what player are you most excited about? And and I'll even, let's run down them real quick. So Grant Williams under contract until 2027. Um, the most he's going to make is about 14 and a half, a little shy of that um, million dollars in the last year of his deal. Uh, let's see, Misich. Uh, under contract until the end of the 2026 season, eight million that year. Seth Curry, four million next year, and then he expires. We'll see. I can see them bringing him back. We talked about Trey Man earlier. Um, which of these guys? Davis Berton, sorry, is the other one. Sixteen million dollars next year, early termination option that he controls. I would be surprised if he doesn't go ahead and sign up for sixteen million next year. Which which one of these guys, considering talent? age and contract are you like all right i could see this being a really good thing for charlotte long term i think all of the you could try to build a case for any of the guys uh i think three sort of like jump out most i think you can sort of probably write off seth pretty quickly um i will say like davis for tans in the memphis game they ran like a little screen to screen or baseline out of bounds play and this you know 611 latvian sniper went flying off of a pin down for three and he drained it and was like now that's that's something new. That's something not new used there. to that. Not used to that. <laughs> I was like, uh, I know, like I look as Steve Jones on the Dunker Bot Dunker Spot would call him Dave Burt. There's some limitations with Dave Burt, uh, but man, he can he can shoot. He's a shooter, shooter. You know, for me personally, I would say Trey Mann. Um, I think you can certainly make a case for a few different guys. I like Misich. Grant is probably like would be my number two most exciting guy for this group. Um, because hybrid front court player has sh- has shot the ball well at times. Um, you know, it seems like he could be a nice fit um, playing. You know, playing mostly some mostly at the four, but some five. Give you some shooting, some passing. Can guard a bunch of different guys. He's super strong. Um, good processor of the game. Um, and so I, I see. I see a role for him and also, or potentially just like a, you know, down the line and being a, another piece for Charlotte to flip. But I think man's um, just the, the, the creativity, the change of pace, the handle, 
the step back shooting, the the passing uh, vision. Um, like he has the not put athleticism with him. Yeah. I don't think that gets talked about enough with Trey. He, he's he a, he's some a really good crazy athlete. Crazy takeoff dunks. Like yeah. Like oh my god. Wide dribble yeah. like in traffic. Yeah. yeah. No. In even going back to Florida. Um, so and I think that stuff is rare. It's harder to find, and it may not come to fruition. Like Grant's pretty bankable at this point. Like he's an NBA rotation player at, at the wing. So that's that's well, something I think, it, I think value. It's but a man's yeah. upside, I think, is what excites me most. I should say. I no, I totally agree with you. I mean, we're, we are aligned there. I think it, it in his like physical profile, position six three point guard, you know, uh, ball first kind of guy, like. I don't know. I just feel like you don't see that many guys in the NBA anymore, like that are that athletic at that position. They're more like bombers, right? Yeah, they're more like from way downtown kind of guys. Like, I, I just I love man because I I think you can he can play with a message, right? He can play with a guy that is going to be your true quote unquote point guard, right? And play next to him, and you're going to have some defensive issues there, but he's athletic enough. And crafty enough off the ball, and he's he's a live body, right? Like that—that's the thing about Trey Man that I really really like is that he can be a live body. So he's not he can he can play more positions than one, not often, but he can. And uh, I just his athleticism to me is what is the most untapped. Yeah, it's it's that plus the handle, and um, he's not just a straight line drive guy. I think which is pretty cool. Like he can he gets into tight spaces with the handle. Um, he can bend a defense. He's got the, the step back timing and rhythm down. That was like one of the things he was so good at as a prospect in Florida too. He was like one of the best step back shooters uh, heading into the 2021 draft class. And like um, all of the intel, I'd be curious to see what what Alex Spears, if, if he and Richie talked about him on the other pod, like, but all the reporting out of Oklahoma City, all the chatter was that like man was a, a workaholic that was always in the gym, and like that maybe that doesn't mean anything. Um, but I do think Charlotte could use some of that in town, and it's like if it is going to click with Trey Man, it seems like he's going to try to do everything he can to maximize his odds. So I'm excited to have that kind of like ball handling talent in the room. And I could see him playing with a lot of different guys on the roster for stretches, yeah. including Lamelo. Like defensive yeah, limitations, exactly. no yeah. doubt, but like that lets Lamelo get off the ball. You have two good, you have multiple creative ball handlers and play him with Miller. Like there's just a lot of stuff you can do that is uh, is exciting. What do you think about man as number one, just like shot form from outside? Number two, as a catch and shoot guy. I don't know what his numbers are, but like, what do you just? What do you think about eye test wise about him? I, I would need practice? to. Stu- I would need to study the the like the spot up catch and shoot stuff a little bit more. But the step back stuff, like when he's able to like he's like he goes right to left on the pullback move. It looks awesome. <laughs> like it looks really good. It looks very fluid, it, and yeah. it's look it's always like, it's looked good since his sophomore season at Florida. You know, like and uh, that's really exciting too. Again, it may not work out, but if you're taking flyers on guys, a, a six three, six four athletic point guard that that wants to pass but has like legit step back game, um, or potentially legit step back game, like that's 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 there's some there's maybe something there, and that's something Charlotte hasn't had in like the sort of like backup guard role since Devontae, right? I mean, they haven't had they haven't not had that kind of like on ball, and I mean. Devontae's smaller, not as athletic, 
Uh, you know, but like that type of like, oh, you can bring this guy in off the bench, and all of a sudden a defense has to like think about that. They have to they have to react to the gravity or the passing that this person brings when they enter the game. So I can't wait to see him more, uh, both on and off the ball. I I'm really excited to see him play with Lamelo and Misich play with Lamelo. I'm obviously more excited to see Trey Mann play with Lamelo to just see how that operates, to see if we can get LaMelo off the ball more, um, you know, with Trey Mann. But anyways, like, again, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. The backcourt all of a sudden, like, overnight is pretty damn deep. Um, Not deep with, like, you know, great talent, but whatever. Like, you're going to take on one or two injuries a year, and now there's just stuff there. And I would say that up until the trade deadline this season, like, Charlotte's backcourt was – Maybe the worst backcourt in like NBA history. It was it was like, pretty from, rough. It, it was pretty rough. It was bad. It was bad. There there was one game. Oh man, I wish I could remember it. We did a we did a pod. I don't think right after. I think like the following morning. And it was just amazing to see how much stuff Charlotte was having to try to do to get like Terry Rozier a shot in the pick and roll, just like double screen into another screen into a ghost screen with Ish Smith, and it was like. They have to work so hard to get a terrible shot. Like, throwing bodies out of a Pez dispenser to come to a screen yeah, from just, the baseline. Yeah. Just <laughs> unreal. And um the, and and yeah. So no, I think I think it's a it's whether this was like meant intended this way or this happened sort of just like uh, by virtue of them springing new players in, whatever. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before, but like in my opinion, the best sort of like Lamelo backcourt builds during his tenure were his, were, was especially with his like rookie year, where you had Gordon Hayward, Devontae Graham, uh, Malik Monk, Terry Rozier, and Lamelo Ball. You had you had this like the, you had a collection of guys who could do it. Right. Miles Bridges, who we probably should touch on before the the episode is is over here too, as he remains on the roster. Um, but all of a sudden you look around and look, I know it's not the same talent level overall. These guys are generally, you know, there's they're 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 younger, but you look out and like Nick Smith, Trey Mann, Brandon Miller, Misich, Lamelo, all of a sudden you're like, okay, they have a bunch of guys who actually can operate a pick and roll. And all you really need is for like one of not I think Nick Smith and Trey Mann are different players with different strengths. Um all you need if one of those guys pops. You just need you just need like one of the like the small cre- you know creative guards to pop, and then you've really got something too. So I, I like them sort of like improving their odds a little bit uh, as far as the like back end of the young guard rotation looks. And McGowan's too. I should I should I mean he I mean, they played McGowan's in much more of like a catch and shoot role, but like in a catch and go role. But he definitely has he has the potential to be six six and can run a pick and roll. Like there might be something there too. If McGowan's can like somehow morph into like an eighth man, a seventh, eighth man that's like reliable on an okay team, like that's that's kind of the that's what we're hoping for at this point. But uh, but yeah, so BG, you you brought up a good point. Let's talk about Miles Bridges. Um, you know, I think that I well, I think that you had you saw two things coming up to the deadline. You saw clutch controlling one part of the message and and then you saw uh i th- i think in a lot of ways steve clifford and the hornets from the woge perspective controlling another part of the message um and it was pretty interesting to to read 
kind of the room during that process. But here we are. And what the situation is, is that the Hornets are, they have Miles Bridges. Uh, they'll have him through it, the, you know, the end of the season. Um, they have his bird rights, so they can offer him effectively an extra year that no one else can, but he is an unrestricted free agent. So if, if there's a team out there, <clears throat> Detroit, with cap space that would like to offer him a lot of money, they, they still can. Uh, the card the Hornets hold is just that that extra year um, with the bird rights and and obviously being able to go above the cap to resign him, which I do think the Hornets will be in. I think they're going to operate as an above the cap team going in uh, to free agency, which I think we talked a little bit about late uh, earlier. But I, I don't know. Like I, I'm kind of in like holding mode. I, I'm just talking about on the court stuff right now, BG. Like. You know, the back-to-back 40-point games, you know, it was a dud Milwaukee. Last night, he was good. He's a t- he's an undeniable talent. Yeah. There's no question. And he's still a young player. And, you know, I... I it's the do... only reason he's still in the league. It's the, all, it's the only reason. Yeah, like, no he, question. He's that, There's he just, zero question about that. Yeah, he's yeah. a great athlete and a great offensive talent. And, like, other than that, there, that's the only reason he's still an NBA employee and one that's set up for a... Yep. a day or, you know, maybe more than that this summer. So, you know, I, I do, I wish the Hornets would have traded him for anything at the deadline. Yes. And I, I think we kind of all said that in our, in our pod before the, before the deadline, but you know, they still have some chips on the table here. Um, and the sign and trade is the greatest one. Cer- certainly they can bring him back, but if Detroit wants to throw a massive amount of money in him, which, there are some crumbles out there that suggest they would like to do that. Um, you know, Charlotte can make sure that they get him that extra year and see what we can get back. I don't know what that is, but I, that's the only way I can calculate in my mind that the Hornets didn't deal him because the the reporting was all over the place. And to me, what that means is that nothing's true, yeah. right? You see what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like nothing's true here. There's a lot of uh, conflicting opinions, and unfortunately, you still have to retain the asset because you think you're leaving money on the table or leaving value on the table if you let him go now. So it, that's just it, it's business. I, I think to me that was ultimately like what it came down to. I mean, like the the clutch factor. It was, I think, it's something that was undeniable, and his ability to like veto a trade. It, it's definitely set up like a. It was it, to me. It felt unique uh, in terms of like a you know possible trade trade opportunity. I don't ever remember a situation like it. Yeah, no. that that was it's just strange, like a very strange uh, you know way that you yeah players allowed to to veto a deal. Um, and obviously, just given the specifics of Bridges' case. Um, well, yeah, yeah, that weird. that matched with like his everything else that comes yeah. with yeah it's it exactly. was it was weird but yeah i think my read again ultimately was the hornets were like because it felt like with everyone else like with rosier they got almost exactly what you would expect for him for pj they got you they got what you would hope they get for him right they got these first shot picks for hayward they got anything for him so great um and it, my thought was they were they probably looked around and who knows if Clutch would have like signed up signed off on these things. There's like a lot of moving parts more so than usual as we were just sort of just outlining, um, but that they just sort of got to the point where it was they felt like it wasn't enough. And I, I know we don't love 
this should go without saying. I know we don't love talking about these things from strictly like just like deal craft when when we're thinking about like Miles Bridges, who he is as a person. Um, but ultimately that they were just like, well, we don't have enough on the table here to like make this right. And so if that's the case, then we're just going to take it into the off scene and see, and see if we can set up the sign and trade or like, I mean, I guess there's a chance they could just sign him and he'll be back on the Hornets next year. Yeah, I really I, hope I, that's I, not the case, but it's certainly, that certainly seems like a strong possibility too. Like that's one to give for that reality. If that's the case as well. Look, once again, Right. To, to lay it all out, and, and then we can probably get on our way out of here, um, but when Brian Windhorst, who's, to me, like maybe the second most well-connected guy in the league behind Woj, and, or, or maybe the third behind Champs, it, is reporting like three days out, like Miles Bridges, he's going to get traded. Like that that's all likelihood he's going to get traded. And then 48 or less than that, 36 hours later, whatever, we're just saying, you know, Steve Clifford just he has a great relationship with Miles Bridges. All you know, like the, the Hornets want to bring him back. Like that is all bullshit. Like there is nothing but bullshit there. Really, I mean that that's just the way this stuff works. And that is, and and right in the middle of all that is clutch. And 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 so the question that you got to answer is, what is clutch's incentive for Miles Bridges to come, like to not be traded now? Because the Hornets still hold the leverage, right? Yeah, yeah. So it would be. It would I be still a, think it's a sign and trade. Yeah, it would that be. Would be would, my best guess. Yeah, it would be to get. It would be to be able to get that fifth year, maximize his money, and get out of town. Which and like, get out of town. The only way I to agree. do that is a is a is a sign and trade. That's the only way to do it. Um, yeah, like that, if, if this was a situation sense. happening, like with the Knicks or the Lakers or yeah, different whatever, story. like a, a big market, yeah. Chicago, like this would be discussed at nauseum. But because it's in Charlotte, it's like nobody's like questioning yeah. it at all. It's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's like guys, this is uh, this doesn't smell right. Like there's definitely some bad stuff going on. Yeah, I yeah, all right, address again. Yeah, well, we'll have plenty more time to discuss that those hypotheticals going forward. Uh, last piece. Um, it did look like your reports I saw on Twitter. I, I was not, I did not p- tune into the like conference call or press call that Mitch Kupchak, Chad, Mitch Kupchak had, but it looked like he and Buzz Peterson were over in Spain, I believe, or in Europe somewhere to watch James Nagy play the, uh, 2023 second round pick of the Hornets who played very well at summer league. I've not kept up with him at Barcelona this season, but I'd be curious to sort of like check in and see how he's doing, but He's another. He's he's a he's a name that at least at this point you still got to consider him for the Hornets. He's a really impressive young center prospect that I I would like to see in a Hornets uniform at, at some point. So I thought that was a little interesting. But with that, we'll go ahead and uh, close out. Thanks to everyone who joined us for another episode and listen and uh, listen to us ad free and early through Busby Plus. If you haven't, please make sure to check out Richie's breakdown of the Oklahoma City trade. Uh, He profiled each of the three newcomers from the Thunder. Lastly, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This was a busy trade deadline. A lot of episodes that came out. Um, So if you enjoyed any of that, please let us know. Uh, For Spencer, I'm Brian. We'll see you next time. Go Hornets!
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.